Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello again, everyone, and welcome into the lightninginsider.com podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson. From LightningInsider.com, my apologies for the gap in between episodes. I know it's been uh, well over a month here since I've recorded a new one. There's been a lot going on between the Stadium Series game, which was just an unbelievable experience in Nashville over the weekends. Bolts fans, you showed up in droves and certainly did yourselves well in terms of showing up and traveling and making that uh, a uh, extremely um, wonderful experience and a great atmosphere at Nissan Stadium there as Tampa Bay did defeat Nashville in that stadium series game. Um, but this is the trade deadline recap edition of the show, so we're going to get pretty deep into the moves made by Tampa Bay and kind of take a look around also the Eastern Conference and in particular the Atlantic Division because uh, the Atlantic Division was already tough. And uh, every team made some significant moves ahead of the trade deadline to bolster their team's chances, uh, the top four contending teams in the Atlantic. So uh, we'll get into a little bit of that as well, as well as answering a few unanswered questions that uh, I went soliciting for a little bit sooner. So again, my apologies for the time off here uh, between episodes. It's been uh, pretty busy, all the late night games Uh, Certainly messed with uh, my schedule, staying up till the wee hours in the morning sometimes, getting uh, getting ready for bed sometime around the time my wife was getting up and going to work. So uh, that certainly messes with uh, your schedule and everything else. So again, I do apologize for uh, such a long gap in between episodes here. So uh, we're going to try and make up for it with this one in particular. Uh, Before we get too deep into any of this, I do want to uh, let you know about a great offer from BetUS. With NHL playoff races heating up, the NCAA basketball tournament in full swing, and the NBA coming down the home stretch, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the code BOLTS22. That's BOLTS22. They have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NBA and NHL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and NFL odds up already. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf and round matchups, and live betting on most sports including golf and hockey. 
The online casino has hundreds of games, and the racebook has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy and full with betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. All right, a lot of talk about what the Lightning might do leading up to the trade deadline. We knew the salary cap issues the team had leading up to the trade deadline, which did pass on Monday, March the 21st at 3 p.m. We knew the it was going to have to be dollar in, dollar out, player in, player out with whatever moves the Lightning did do, and they pulled off two of them. Julian Breezebois and his staff once again identifying areas they felt they needed to improve on, that they needed to be better at looking towards the postseason. And the first move was made when they acquired Brandon Hagel from the Chicago Blackhawks, a deal that sent a pair of first-round draft picks in 2023 and 2024, along with rookie forwards Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk to Chicago in exchange for Hagel and a couple of fourth-round draft picks as well. Let's start with, with Hagel. He did make his Lightning debut against the New York Rangers on the 19th, the one home game in the middle of an 11-game stretch that Tampa Bay is currently on uh, as I record this here the day after the trade deadline. Uh, Played about 10 minutes. You could see some of his attributes. He came in with the reputation of a tenacious forechecker, somebody who likes to use his speed well, somebody who... um, can kill penalties. We did see him take a couple of penalty kill shifts for the team on the second period. Had plenty of opportunities on the penalty kill in that game, but that's a, that's a different topic. Um, he only played about 10 minutes. Uh, special teams probably limited some of that. Uh, he was on a line with Ross Colton and Matthew Joseph, but of course we'll get into that uh, with the next topic um, with the other trade acquisition they made. Um, but but you could see he set up a couple of plays. Um, it, it was a pass of his that helped draw a power play for Tampa Bay, one that Braden Point scored on to open uh, the scoring in that game. And uh, just 23 years old, he's under contract for two more years at $1.5 million, which is a very team-friendly uh, contract for the Lightning. It's a big part of the appeal of bringing in Hagel. Uh, He is somebody that's going to be with this team for at least a couple of seasons. Uh, He will be a restricted free agent at the end of this contract. So in essence, they have uh, Hagel under contract control for four seasons plus this year. So that's five potential playoff runs that you have a Brandon Hagel for. So I know on paper, it looks like a, a lot to give up. In, in Radish and Kachuk and a couple of first-round draft picks. Uh, but you end up sending out uh, four uh, four assets in the first-round draft picks and the two players. And in return, you get three assets, a player and two fourth-round draft picks. Um, and, and look, your hope is that those first-round draft picks are late. You actually hope that they're 32nd. Because if they're 32nd, that means you won the Stanley Cup. But you're hoping it's late Regardless, uh, so again, on paper, it looks like Tampa Bay give up gives up a lot, and they kind of did. Um, 
you know, especially the first round draft picks, which are a commodity in today's game. Uh, but as we know, the Lightning uh, do much better seemingly with picks in the third, fourth, and fifth round than they tend to in the first round, um, just historically in the past decade plus here. Because as of right now, since the 2010 draft, which is when Steve Eiserman took over, of course, now Julian Breezebois uh, oversees uh, the hockey operations department. Uh, the only first-round draft picks still with the team are Andre Vasilevsky and Cal Foote. And that's not to say that they've drafted poorly in the first round. They've had some players who have uh, careers right now. I mean, Brett Howden is in the league, right? He's um, was traded to the Rangers in the deal that brought Ryan McDonough and JT Miller here back in 2018. Uh, he is now with Vegas, so he's on his third team. Good player, lower line player, first round draft pick, not an impact player. So if if you kind of read or read into, I guess, the Lightning's rationale and explanation for that, there's there's a lot of analytics involved, and I don't mean on ice analytics. There, there's a lot of analysis and future projections that go into their decision making. And one of them is, what are the odds that a late first-round draft pick has an impact on your team for how long and for uh, what's what's the level of impact? Because let's face it, the odds of a late first-round draft pick, you know, there's not many um, Patrice Bergerons out there, right? Bergeron, a second-round draft pick who made the Bruins as an 18-year-old and went on to have a Hall of Fame career. That is easily the oddity in that situation. It's not the norm. So the Lightning are banking or uh, balancing those odds with bringing in a 23-year-old established NHL player who has a 20-goal season already under his belt this year. Uh, he was a second-leading goal scorer on Chicago at the time of the deal with 21 goals. And kind of keep this in mind, too. He's somebody that you can easily see and you don't know what's going to happen over the summer you could easily see Brandon Hagel being a top six forward on this team next year assuming Andre Pallott is not able to be brought back and I would say the odds of Andre Pallott returning to Tampa Bay are not very good not because they don't want him and not because he doesn't want to be here it's just that his contract is probably going to be too steep for Tampa Bay to consider re-signing so when you take in all those factors and then, look, they can't say that, right? They're not going to come out and publicly say, yes, uh, hey, he's going to be our replacement for Andre Pallott. No, they're not going to do that. But if you look at it, it's easy to see how that can be the case. So, yes, a lot to give up, but you, you see the potential in what Brandon Hagel can bring. And one of the things that I absolutely loved about listening uh, to Brandon Hagel when he spoke for the first time to the Tampa Bay media after the trade, and he said it again after the game against the Rangers, he understands he can make. He's a playmaker. He he likes to set plays up. He's a goal scorer. He, who doesn't like to score goals? He understands all of that as part of his package, his skill package. But at the end of the day, he said, "If my work ethic isn't where it's supposed to be, none of that falls into place." 
and and I love that saying from a young player who still finding his way in this league. It's just his second season in the league and really first full season because you know last year was just 56 games and you played the same seven teams all year. So it's his, really his first full year in the league. So to have that understanding of what it takes for him to be successful, there's a lot to like about what Brandon Hagel can bring, not just this year, but uh, down the road here at least the next two-plus seasons because, again, at the end of this contract, he will be a restricted free agent um, at that time. So uh, we'll see where everything goes, but uh, it, it's, it's a deal that Tampa Bay felt they had to make, um, and, and it makes them a better team right now, and it helps them down the road as well because you know giving up a 23 and a 24 first round draft pick when might those players actually have an impact it it wouldn't be as 18 year olds most likely so you're talking a 23 draft pick first rounder maybe maybe they make the nhl by a 25 26 season and you know this window for tampa bay is open now we don't know what the team will look like three years from now so you bring in a player that you know can help you now. So you kind of rationalize those things out and you sort of understand the deal for Brandon Hagel. The other deal pulled off by Julian Breesbaugh's staff, which um, it, it's funny. He, you know, when he met with us midseason, he said uh, he was trying to temper the expectations for the trade deadline because of the success that they've had the past two years, right? bringing in Barkley, Goodrow, and Blake Coleman prior to the 2020 trade deadline, bringing in David Savard last year. Uh, they had some cap flexibility those two years to be able to make those moves and not take anybody off the roster. I think that was important at that time. Uh, this year, of course, the cap um, situation they're in, they literally had zero cap space, which means zero roster flexibility as well because you couldn't just send the guy to the minors because everybody on their roster would have to go through the waiver wire. So there's no roster flexibility in that capacity either. So he tempered those expectations. And then after making the acquisition of Hagel, he was asked, are you done? And before the question could even be uh, finished, he said, no, meaning no, there's nothing else coming. No, I don't foresee us doing anything. So he was pretty emphatic about it. And yet Sunday afternoon, Word came that uh, Nick Paul was being dealt from the Ottawa Senators to Tampa Bay uh, in exchange for Matthew Joseph and a fourth-round draft pick. It's Tampa Bay's own fourth-round draft pick in 2023, if memory serves correct. Um, Nick Paul is in a different situation than Brandon Hagel. Paul is a pending, unrestricted free agent. He was... He, he, you know, as a lot of players, he was looking to re-sign with Ottawa. Couldn't come to terms ahead of the trade deadline. So Ottawa opted to move him, and, and Tampa Bay took, I don't say took advantage of it, but they had interest in bringing uh, Nick Paul in and uh, traded Matthew Joseph and a draft pick to bring him in. And Nick Paul, it's it, it's it's dangerous to make these comparisons because people will run with them and say, hey, he's supposed to be this player. But when you look at Paul and then you, you look at Hagel, they're two players who play similar styles. They're not same players, but they have some of the same elements to their game 
from what Tampa Bay lost in the offseason when Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman and Yanni Gord all left. And I'm not comparing either of these two players to the success that the, that trio had as the quote-unquote third line for Tampa Bay. You know, I, I, they're not the same players. They're just not the same players. But they have similar attributes. I mentioned Brandon Hagel, the relentlessness and the work ethic. Remind you of Yanni Gord a little bit in, in thinking about the type of game that Yanni Gord played. Again, not saying he's the same type of player, but similar style to his game. I think uh, Hagel actually probably has more offensive upside. He's only 23, just finding his game. And, and if you look at some of the highlights of some of his goals, you see the skill set that he has. Uh, so you combine that work ethic with that skill set, um, you've got a pretty good player who's not Yanni Gord, but he has similar playing style to Yanni Gord. And I think Nick Paul um, probably plays closer to a Barkley Goodrow style of game. He, he's probably across a mix of a Blake Coleman and, and a Barkley Goodrow in the way he plays the game. Again, big, physical hard on the forecheck, likes to throw his weight around, um, can score some goals. He's got a career-high 11 goals this year. He's not a big goal scorer, but he is somebody that they can rely on defensively. Uh, I saw this debate kind of going around um, regarding his plus-minus numbers, and I'll say this about plus-minus. Take a plus-minus with a grain of salt. It's not a stat that's totally reliable and totally in tune with a player's defensive attributes. Because if you look at it this way, if a player comes off on a line change and he's 75 feet away from the play and a goal is scored, who gets the minus? The player who just came on the ice. Another thing about plus minus, what if, again, a forward is 50 feet away from the play, a defenseman turns the puck over, it leads to a breakaway, who gets the minus? Everybody on the ice gets the minus. It, it works both ways, of course. It, it could be the other way. You could jump on the ice when a goal is scored and you get a plus. But that's why it's not a stat. Uh, it, it, it's an indicator, but it's not a true measure of a player's defensive ability. And Nick Paul is a good defensive forward. It's a, it's a reason why they brought him in. Uh, he takes a lot of face-offs. He can play center. He can play the wing. He'll probably get a look at the wing at least to start with Tampa Bay. Um, so he's going to add those elements to to the Lightning. And the thing about both of these players, in Hagel and Paul, they both kill penalties for their respective teams, and they'll probably be asked to kill penalties for Tampa Bay. Similar, again, not the same, but similar to Goodrow and Coleman, who made a fantastic PK pair which was evident the first time they stepped on the ice together. Now, we'll see what things look like here going forward because uh, Tampa Bay did trade Matthew Joseph, and Matthew Joseph had a really good uh, chemistry with Pierre-Edouard Belmar as a PK unit. The other PK unit, of course, is Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kalorn. So we'll see. Um, Hagel was getting some work on the PK uh, with Belmar during practice before the team left for this road trip. Uh, we'll see where Nick Paul fits in on the PK, but you figure he's going to get some some penalty kill time as well. Uh, and again, Paul is 6'3", 240 pounds. Uh, he likes to hit. He, he likes to have his presence felt on the ice, so it's an element that the, the team felt they needed 
to bring in. And again, not trying to make comparisons, but when you look at the first 55, 60 games of this season for Tampa Bay, it's an element you knew they were missing. We wondered how they were going to replace that line of Gord, Goodrow, and Coleman. And I think they were able to patch those holes a little bit. But one of the things that I had been saying when doing interviews and people would ask me, well, what do the Lightning need? And I said, well, they don't really need anything, but maybe there's areas they'd like to upgrade. And how comfortable would they be with a pair of rookies playing a regular uh, regular role if it was called on? Because as, as well as Kachuk and Radish played this year, they are still rookies in this league. Uh, Ross Colton, though not technically a rookie, it's his first full year in the NHL. So there are things you kind of have to think about there. Um, and uh, ultimately, they felt that they needed some more uh, relentlessness and some more um, tone setting, I guess, is the best way to kind of put it. Because there's a reason we called the Gord line the identity line, because they started almost every single period of the playoffs to kind of set a tempo and maybe that's kind of what they're looking for here even even though you know we got that out of Brayden Point's line in the third period uh, against Seattle to end the West Coast road trip most recently when Point's line scored 23 seconds in to make a 2-1 game a 3-1 game which came against Yanni Gord in that situation but I think overall that's kind of what they were looking for here so um, with these two players I think the Lightning are a better team they're definitely not a deeper team because with the cap situation, they're actually not able to bring up an extra player. They are going to have to to ride out the final six-plus weeks of the season with 21 players on the active roster, which means only 12 forwards. So the only way to bring up a player is in an injury situation. And that's going to happen one of two ways. Long-term injury. Y'all should be familiar with exactly what that means in today's day and age, which will allow you to bring up a player uh, without um, affecting the cap. Or, as we saw earlier this year, the game in Los Angeles where Tampa Bay had to play with four defensemen because of injury situation. In order to establish an emergency situation, you have to show that you don't have enough available players, to, and so you would have to play a game short. We've seen this a couple of times with Tampa Bay over the past two seasons. You play a game short, and then you can use your emergency recall. And when you bring up an emergency recall, they do not count against a salary cap because you have established that emergency basis to bring up a player under that scenario. So as as long as the Lightning stay healthy, they can't bring up a player. Except on those scenarios. So... If, if one of the forwards is banged up, the only option is to dress 11-7. and seven. You know, and you've got some back-to-back games coming up, including at the end of this current road trip when they play afternoon games in Detroit uh, and in Long Island against the Islanders. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. So that's um, that's a, a breakdown of, of adding Hagel and Paul to the lineup. We'll see what the, the payoff is. Again, Paul is unrestricted at the end of the year. Uh, I did ask Julian Breezebois whether or not 
he viewed Paul as a strict rental, and he said that they would let Paul get to know them. They would get to know Paul a little bit. Uh, they would see where things go from that point, but they, you know, they know that there are tough decisions coming in the offseason, and one of them, of course, is Andre Pilat, um, you know, and where Nick Paul might fit. And look, Julian did say they do have some cap space uh, for next season. They've got uh, the only other player, uh, Pilat and Ruda, are the only players who are unrestricted free agents going into next season. So there's a little bit of cap room. That's between those two guys, that's about six, six and a half million dollars uh, between Ruda and Pilat. Of course, some of that's taken up with the. Braden Point contract extension, which jumps up to 9.5. So that's about a $3 million of that cap already taken up. So there's a little bit of flexibility. So we're, we'll see where things go with Nick Paul in the offseason. But um, word is he's looking for about $3 million. So uh, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, losing Matthew Joseph. It was interesting listening to Julian Breezeball talk about Matthew Joseph, who was a pending restricted free agent at the end of the year. But Joseph had arbitration rights. And similar to what we saw with Carter Verhage, they were concerned that a potential arbitration award was going to hurt them salary cap-wise. And that's why they did not tender a qualifying offer to Carter Verhage, which made him an unrestricted free agent. Of course, he went on to sign with the Florida Panthers. It was the same situation with Joseph. Joseph was going to have arbitration rights or will have arbitration rights at the end of this year as a restricted free agent and a potential award for him was probably going to be more than Tampa Bay was going to be able to take on to make everything else fit and work on their roster so Julian came out and said it they did not plan at this point in giving Joseph a qualifying offer which would have made him an unrestricted free agent so that was interesting um, to hear that Uh, I hate to see Matthew go Matthew's been a big part of this organization since he was drafted and, you know, following his career from, you know, St. John and and the Q and um, the World Juniors team that he was on that also had uh, Taylor Radish on it and uh, Connor Ingram at the time was Lightning Property, the goaltender, and, you know, that that team that lost the gold medal match in a shootout to Team USA and Troy Terry, um, his shootout success uh, in that gold medal match. Uh, to the impact he made here, and you know Joseph has he has an infectious attitude, uh, an infectious personality. Uh, great to be around. Love talking to Matthew Joseph. Wish him nothing but the best with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, hopefully he'll find uh, his game a little bit more because you saw elements of it. Uh, certainly you wish he would have finished some of his chances. I mean, how many breakaways does he have shorthanded this year? Uh, that he was not able to finish off, but um, you know, wish Matthew the best of luck. Uh, Radish and Kachuk not as ingrained with the team, but certainly been around for a while as they were both uh, second-round dra- uh, draft picks in 2017. Um, waited for their chance. Finally came this year as they both made the team out of camp over Alex Boulay, who you might have given a slight nod ahead of the competition, but Radish and Kachuk... Both played well enough to earn an opportunity. Uh, again, you, 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 Radish is going to get a great opportunity in Chicago. He had a goal and an assist in the second game um, in a Blackhawks uniform. So he's going to get more of an opportunity uh, in a larger role there than he certainly had here. You saw glimpses of it. You wish and hope that he uses his shot 
more often. Um, and, and same thing with a Kachuk. I mean, Kachuk, uh, he doesn't have a ton of offense to his game, but you love his forechecking. You love his his willingness to drop the gloves. You love his physical his physical play. Um, again, big parts of this organization for the past three seasons, but um, we knew players were going to have to be let go off of this roster to make any deals work. And those players were, of course, Matthew Joseph, Taylor Radish, and Boris Kuchuk. So good luck to all three of them uh, moving forward here um, with their new teams. All right, before we get into what happened around the East and before we get these questions, I want to let you know about a deal from BioPro Plus. BioPro Plus is the first 100% non-synthetic alternative to prescription HDH growth hormone treatments. Improve your performance, metabolism, and energy without any needles or nasty side effects of prescription injections. BioPro Plus works faster, is easier to use, and is 100% safe. Are you a guy over 35 who wants to fix how he performs, looks, and feels? Then BioPro Plus is right for you. Check out BioPro Plus at BioProteinTech.com or on Instagram and Twitter at BioProteinTech. That's at BioProteinTech. And use the code LIGHTNING for $30 off your order. Again, that's BioPro Plus at BioProteinTech.com. At the Eastern Conference, and in particular, the Atlantic Division certainly made waves ahead of the trade deadline. And Tampa Bay, of course, is right in the middle of that. Uh, with their acquisitions, as we just talked about with Hagel and and Nick Paul. Uh, every team, the top four teams in the Atlantic Division, the Maple Leafs, the Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay, and Boston, all made significant moves ahead of the deadline. The Atlantic was already going to be tough to get out of. It just became even tougher to make your way out of. And this is, uh, the race in the Atlantic has also tightened up. Because heading into Tuesday's game on the 22nd between Tampa Bay and Carolina, the Atlantic Division looks like this. Panthers, 62 games played, 90 points. The Lightning, 61 games played, 84 points. Toronto, 62 games played, 83 points. And the Boston Bruins, 63 games played, 83 points. So seven points separating first from fourth and one point separating second from fourth. Now, no team is in danger of falling out of the playoffs. But there's going to be a ton of resh- potential reshuffling taking place between now and the end of the regular season. Florida's got 20 games left. The Lightning have 21 games left. Toronto has 20 games left. Boston has 19 games left. Um, Toronto, Boston, and Tampa Bay all have 39 wins. You know, so they're, the matchups... Um, you know, you could potentially fall into a wild card situation and have to face the Carolina Hurricanes in the first round or even the New York Rangers because the Metro, again, as we talk here, Carolina 88 points through 62 games, the Rangers 85 points through 63 games, and the Penguins 85 points through 63 games as well. And then there's Washington sitting in wild card two at 80 points. So they're five points behind those teams in the Metro, and um, they actually have 18 games left due to the Capitals. So it's going to be an interesting finish here down the stretch. And then you look at what the Panthers did to bolster their lineup. They've been sitting in the top, you know, the league standings for a good portion of the season. Actually sits second right now as uh, Colorado has gotten uh, pretty 
uh, pretty hot here in the second half of the season. But uh, Florida leading the Eastern Conference, and they pick up Claude Giroux from Philadelphia. They pick up Ben Sherratt, defenseman from the Montreal Canadiens, and they pick up uh, Robert Haig, defenseman from the Buffalo Sabres, who used to play in Philadelphia. So uh, three big acquisitions, especially you know Giroux being the, the big name there. Um, what he can do, what he could potentially do. It looks like he's going to get a shot playing on the top line with uh, Alexander Barkov and Carter Verhage. Uh Florida was already a deep team uh, from their forward situation, deep team offensively, and, and you add in a player like Claude Giroux who should be have some motivation. It's been some lean years in Philadelphia the last couple, and you know he earned this opportunity to kind of pick where he wanted to go. He did pick the Florida Panthers and is going to make them um, a much tougher out. Uh, we discussed what Tampa Bay did in adding Hagel and Paul, sort of changing some of the tone uh, and some of the makeup of their lineup. Uh, Toronto goes out and picks up defenseman Mark Giordano from Seattle, along with forward Colin Blackwell. Uh, Giordano is not the Norris Trophy winner he was in Calgary. Uh, there's a reason Calgary uh, exposed him to the expansion draft. Um, you know, So we'll see what kind of an impact he makes. Uh, Toronto, of course, could use some depth on the back end. We know about how deep they are up front, especially with Austin Matthews having a fantastic year, an MVP type of year, and Mitch Marner and John Tavares and William Nylander and and how loaded they are up front. Uh, The one question mark that the Maple Leafs did not address was goaltending. They actually put Peter Morazic on waivers on Sunday. He was unclaimed on Monday, but it gave them some roster flexibility in case they needed to bring in a defenseman they were, or a, a goaltender. There were whispers of Marc-Andre Fleury, potentially, um, them having interest in Marc-Andre Fleury before he eventually went to Minnesota. Again, he got to choose that. He did not want to play in a Canadian market. He wanted to try and stay as close to his family in Chicago as possible. Uh, so the Maple Leafs are uh, going to head into the playoffs with uh, Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic as their, their duo. Um, certainly there's a lot of um, buzz surrounding their rookie goaltender uh, who kind of came in and did um, s- sort of set things on fire, well, at least for a couple of games, and Eric Calgren. Um, three starts, two wins, 2.32 goals against, 9.30 save percentage which had people buzzing. Is he the answer? Is he the answer? He's not the answer. I don't know if they have an answer in net, uh, but they did address their defensive depth by bringing in uh, Giordano. And Colin Blackwell uh, had a great year for the Rangers last year. Um, You know, can add some depth to their forwards as well. So um, Toronto added to their roster. And then the Bruins, their big pickup was defenseman Hampus Lindholm. They, They knew they needed a D. Uh, Lindholm was scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Didn't look like uh, Anaheim was making any strides in trying to re-sign him. Uh, So he ends up landing with the Bruins and and immediately signs an eight-year extension with Boston. So he'll be there with the Bruins for a long time. Uh, But they needed to to shore up their D. You looked at Boston's defense and you thought, "Mm, they need help there. They went out and found it. Um you know, they. Uh, a lot of people thought that they should have found a second-line center. Not a ton of those players available on the market because every team wants a second and needs a second-line center to shore things up. Uh, they have question marks in goal as well. Yes, Jeremy Swayman has played very well for them this season, a rookie. Uh, you, know, you know, they had the experiment 
with uh, Tuka Rask coming back. It did not work out well at all um, uh, uh, for Rask coming back. Um, struggled coming back from hip hip, uh, hip surgery and um, ended up retiring. Just couldn't find his way back. So they have the uh, tandem of Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman. Swayman, a rookie. Uh, again, it's coming to play great. A 2.09 goals against a 9.25 save percentage. Still a rookie. Linus Allmark, uh, not as proven. Uh, they did sign him to a five-year deal. Um, so, you know, he sits here at, at the towards the end of the season with a 2.72 goals against average and a 9.09 save percentage. Not great numbers. Uh, but, again, they did shore up their uh, defense, which is the biggest area that they needed to improve on. So, um yeah, uh, the East is going to be tough. Even even the teams in the Metro made moves, right? Carolina uh, adding Max Domi from the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. The Rangers bringing up uh, Justin Braun, Tyler Mott in particular to shore up their team. Uh, Pittsburgh's brings in uh, Ricard Raquel to help with some of their scoring depth. Uh, makes them a little bit of a deeper team offensively. Uh, Washington didn't make as big of a splash, but they did bring in or bring back uh, Marcus Johansson um, to the fold as well. So, uh, again, every team in the East made uh, made changes. Every team in the East added to their roster. But the Atlantic Division, well, I tell you, we knew it was going to be difficult to get out of the Atlantic to begin with, and uh, this just kind of makes it even more intriguing. So it's really going to be fun down the final stretch of the season to find out where things uh, stand and who ends up playing who in the uh, in the in the playoffs. Um, it's uh, it's going to be very very tight down the stretch with these teams. Uh, I want to read here for you as it, it comes across Matthew Joseph. Um, posting a goodbye to the Lightning fans, and uh, this is what he said on his social media feed um, that he just put out. I feel extremely fortunate to have called Tampa home for the past four seasons. First and foremost, I want to thank the Lightning organization for giving me a chance to realize my dream of playing in the NHL. To the coaching staff, thank you for believing in me and pushing me to become a better player every day. Thanks to the unbelievable training staff for helping me be ready each and every game. To Bolts fans, thank you for your support over the last couple years. I absolutely love playing in front of you guys. You welcomed me with open arms, and I can't express how much it meant to me. And to the boys, thank you for all the memories. Couldn't have asked for a better group of, fr- uh, of guys to grow with these last couple of years. Friendships that will last forever will miss you champs. With that being said, I'm so thrilled to be part of the Ottawa Senators and can't wait to get things rolling in the nation's capital. So you can see, you know, uh, a player who, you know, um, I don't want to say grew up with the organization, but he kind of did, right? He came in as a 19-year-old uh, as, as making his NHL debut and uh, was a regular that year for Tampa Bay and, you know, worked his way up to become a regular again this year. And, you know, you look at what he went through, not having been uh, the only skater who didn't appear in the 2020 playoff bubble, was there the whole time, skated, worked hard, did everything you had to do, didn't get to play. And then last year, having a pretty regular role through most of the season, uh, and then once the playoffs came around, he, he played the first couple of games in the series against Florida when Barclay Goodrow was out. Uh, Goodrow came back, and who was the guy on the sidelines? It was Matthew Joseph, didn't complain. 
when when he was called on in the Stanley Cup final when Alex Kalorn was injured, Joseph performed. Um, so again, uh, hate hate to see players who you've seen grow up as a player in an organization for as long as we have with Matthew uh, move on, especially again with the uh, great attitude and the phenomenal um, uh, personality that he has move on. But um, pretty happy for uh, for Matthew Joseph um, to maybe get a little bit of a bigger role. Uh, the one other player I forgot to mention uh, joining the, the Rangers is Andrew Kopp uh, from Winnipeg. Um, so he, he comes in and, and, and shores up that Rangers team, which needed depth. They needed some offensive depth. Uh, they rely a lot on Igor Shosturkin. Uh, they rely on uh, their top guys in Zibanejad and Kreider and Panarin uh, in particular uh, to provide goals for them. And then bringing in three forwards sort of addresses the depth issue that they had. I don't know how much they can score, uh, but they certainly added to their their team as well. So again, the Eastern Conference is going to be uh, very difficult to get out of, and you do wonder what that's going to mean for whichever team gets out of the uh, Eastern Conference and heads towards the Stanley Cup Final because uh, it's going to be a very difficult uh, road to get there from the East. Um, one other note uh, in terms of the trade deadline and Tampa Bay reacquiring Riley Nash from Arizona. I had a few questions about that um, when that deal started to kind of percolate up. It's future considerations, which basically means you're not giving up anything for Riley Nash. Uh, Arizona had put him on waivers on Sunday. Uh, nobody claimed him on Monday. Uh, but what acquiring Nash does for this team is depth. Playoff depth, because as we talked about, he can't join the team. And the reason you were able to make that trade with Arizona and not count against your cap is because he did clear waivers, he can immediately be sent to the American Hockey League, which is where he will uh, finish off the regular season. And then he'll most likely be called up uh, once the playoffs begin uh, in the beginning of May, just to add some depth. Right-handed shot centerman, played 10 games with Tampa Bay earlier this year. It's a no-lose acquisition it doesn't cost you anything and at least you have a player who's familiar with your team he's got some playoff experience obviously he's got a ton of nhl experience uh, as well uh, so that was the acquisition of riley nash all right the couple of questions that i was not able to get to um when i was fishing for them a couple weeks ago and wasn't able to get to them uh, we'll start with stephanie's question i know stephanie you've asked me this question a couple of times so uh, i do apologize for not getting to you or getting back to you on this uh, at what point is expected goal saved above average and high danger chance or high danger save percentage become part of the Vesna consideration i ask this because i see this in articles about the top goalies to be considered for it do you know what the criteria is for the Vesna? it's with any award it's it's in the eye of the beholder. It's in the eye of the voter. What does the vo voting pool look at? What are their areas in which they say, okay, that's what I value, that's what I value? And in the case of the Vezina Trophy, the general managers are the ones who vote for the Vezina Trophy as a top goalie in the league. So uh, it all depends on what the, the general manager values. You know, we see some teams and some staffs that really dig deep into analytics, and I would put Tampa Bay 
into that category. And then you have other management staffs that have analytics, but maybe use it a little bit differently or analyze it a little bit differently. Uh, so again, as with any trophy, whether it's a Vezina, whether it's the heart, whether it's the Selkie, whatever, it's all in the eye of the voting voters. And in this case, it's a general manager. So I don't know uh, which GMs would use that more often than others. Uh, from Tony, uh, why was the equipment manager that Victor Hedman had his pregame stick tap ritual with let go? He was pretty tenured, and I find it odd he didn't come back. Uh, yeah, uh, don't know the full story um, on on what happened there. Usually you don't see uh, equipment staff um, turnover too often. Uh, once those guys get into positions, they're usually there. As long as they're good at their job, and you know Ray Phil and, and Rob Kennedy, um, and Rob Kennedy was the guy at the bench who spread his fingers out, and, and Victor Hedman would tap between um they were both let go and usually they're the, the you know they're not lifetime contracts by any stretch of the imagination uh there are contracts um you know they get re-upped they get re-upped they get re-upped uh, and in this case they just didn't um choose to re-up them for whatever reason i was never able to get the full story on their departure but um you know, they have, I know, I think Ray is in Wisconsin, and I know Rob is at Quinnipiac University uh, this year. Um, so they're still working in hockey um, with that situation. Uh, from Matt, who along with, um, they want to know, are offside challenges allowed after a faceoff? The answer is no. Uh, I assume you mean if, if there's an offside and then the puck drops. Once the puck drops, it's dead. You cannot challenge. It's the same thing with a booth review. A booth review, except in the, in the situation of a goal. Uh, that, well, that's what it used to be, right? It used to be a goal could not be reviewed once the puck drops. But you see now the, the horn of doom, if you want to call it that, comes out and plays. Uh, if, a, if a puck actually went into the net, they will stop play. And revert back. But no, once the puck drops, uh, you cannot challenge a play after that. You have a certain small amount of time to uh, to make that challenge. Uh, from Joyce, are there any women officials in the NHL or lower leagues? It's a great question, Joyce. Of course, uh, March is uh, International uh, Women's History Month, and uh, this was in relation to International Women's Day. Um, there are not any in the NHL. But there are, I believe, four in the American Hockey League. Um, and that is, that's an initiative that's helping you know, um, women become officials uh, more than just at the women's game. Obviously, you see a lot more women officials in the women's game. You don't see it too often in the men. But there are, I believe, four officials working in the American Hockey League this year, which is a, a huge... Um, a huge, huge uh, step forward for uh, for women officials in men's game. It, it, you know, we see it in the NFL. Uh, we see it in the NBA. Uh, it's not even talked about that much anymore at those leagues because uh, it's just sort of become the norm. I think we'll get there eventually with the NHL as well. Um, but it's, it's a process, um, and uh, it's getting there. It's getting there, and uh, I think you'll see more and more of this as we go along as well. 
By the way, I want to give a, a hat tip to Prezemic, um because uh, he 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 pegged this earlier uh, about acquiring Brandon Hagel. At the time, he was suggesting the uh, Blackhawks retained fifty percent. Of course, we know that didn't happen. Uh, he was offering a first-round draft pick, a middle-round pick, and Boris Kachuk, uh, and then bringing in a third team to try and lighten the uh, salary load on it. Uh, so you didn't quite nail it all, Prezemic, but uh, you came close. We know Boris Kachuk, of course, was factored into the deal. There were two first-round draft picks instead of a first and a mid-round draft pick. Uh, Tampa Bay, of course, takes on the full... Um, allotment of a salary which really isn't much at 1.5 million dollars uh but then you know this is exactly what uh, prismic said uh hagel would be a perfect uh, fit cheap signed till 2024 young great winger could replace andre palat next year prismic you are absolutely correct i would expect that actually to end up being the case moving forward all right uh, again apologies for waiting so long to jump back behind a microphone here uh, for this podcast, as I said, I've had a lot of things kind of going on uh, over the last little while. Uh, we'll see where things continue to go. Uh, we'll see where this this podcast continues to go, uh, hopefully continuing to move forward. Um, don't forget to check me out on Wednesdays on the AM 620 95.3 with Jay Retcher and Ian Beckles from 4 to 5. That will continue through the playoffs uh, as I go in studio and join them for an hour. Don't forget about the other podcast I do, Lightning Game Day Now, in conjunction with Bally Sports as well. And, of course, the website, lightninginsider.com. Lots of good content on the trades that were made uh, and everything else. So uh, check all that out. Thanks, everybody, for being patient with me. I'll try and make this a more regular thing here moving forward uh, as we get closer and closer to the postseason as Tampa Bay looks to go forward. All right, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for the questions, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.